Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am really excited. Like, I'm excited. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say, to have this author today, because I read her debut novel, Stone Cold Fox, in, like, record time, And I don't like to call out like favorites of the year. We're very early into 2023, but I already know that this is top five, could be top three. I'm really going on the limb. Um, Favorites of the year because I like was obsessed with this whole book. So I am so excited to welcome Rachel Kohler Croft to Books Are Chic. Welcome, uh, welcome, Rachel. See, I'm already stumbling because I'm so excited. (laughs) Thanks, Courtney. I'm so excited to be here. And thanks for that wonderful introduction. (laughs) I mean, I like all the things that I feel like a lot of books or grimmers that I follow have been raving about this book. And then like, we'll talk later about like your big news about this book. But like I mentioned to you before, like I could not believe this was your debut novel, which is why I feel like I'm categorizing it as a favorite because I'm like, this feels like you were just like an auto by author that I've read a thousand books about. And I'm like, I love Rachel, but this is your debut. And this is so exciting. It's like rave reviews and the people pick of the week. I know that was uh, that was a huge moment for me and especially in my family because um, I remember being a little girl and reading People magazine with my grandma and my mom like and it was in sort of a class of its own like People I think is the thinking woman celebrity magazine <laughs> so I was so Dang. excited um, that it was not even just like in the magazine but book of the week that was that was a huge get I feel very proud of it. <laughs> yeah you were the large photo there's always like was three really and you were the big one. With my face too. I know. It was a amazing. <laughs> you are in People Magazine. Like that's all you need. That's all you need. You're in People Magazine. But it it's so it. well deserved. Um, because this book is a so like the way I was thinking about it when I was reading it is, and after I finished it, I was like, we need more of this. It was cat and mouse, but not so much like physical cat and mouse it was like psychological cat and mouse like it was like a mind you know what I won't say the word but as you were reading it because the two these two women who are put up against each other and I'll let you tell us in a little bit about what the book's about it was more like how am I gonna like mess like f with you basically and yes there's like physical things that happen and I won't spoil but I was just like one of them was always like one step ahead, which I love. It was like single white female-ish to me a little. <laughs> They're both very smart. And sort of the way I pitched the tone of it initially, I was like, it's kind of like American Psycho meets Legally Blonde. <laughs> yes. I feel like it is a little like wild and dark, but your narrator is I think super funny and a thrill to be around and just kind of has like a dark Elwood's energy, I think. <laughs> right. And she has this past that sort of like sets her up to navigate the situation, which was also like dark and crazy, but funny and like her mom and like the whole thing. It was just like, it was just great. So we'll get into yeah. it. But first, Rachel, because you do have like a super fun background. Tell us how you got to Stone Cold Fox. Like what was your journey into writing and like, where do you come from? Sure. Um, the journey was wild. <laughs> I mean, I've, since I was a little girl, I've always wanted to be a writer. Like that was not 
new news upon becoming an adult, like, oh, maybe I'll try this. Like, this has always been something I've wanted to do professionally. Um, so shortly after I did get my English literature degree. And then shortly after college, I moved to LA for the first time. And I got a job at a very popular celebrity gossip blog, which I remember thinking at the time, I've made it. I'm a Hollywood writer, but it turned out not to be my calling at all. So much so that after a year and a half, I moved back to Chicago where I'm from. And I just kind of with my tail between my legs because I think I conflated LA with that job. And I was just sort of like, okay, that's not for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it ended up being a really fortuitous detour because in Chicago, I got into a sales career, which I really enjoyed because I'm a very competitive person and I was working in a fun industry, mostly travel and hospitality. And then later down the line, I I feel like people don't tell screenwriters that I would say 80% of your job is going into a room and being a salesperson. So I remember one of the first pitches I went on, I was like, oh, I just have to go in there, but I'm the product. And my yeah. agent was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I've got this. So it ended up being a really great detour. And I moved back to LA with one of those companies because I became the top salesperson in the company and they wanted to open the market in LA. And Long story short, it didn't work out long term. I popped around to some other sales jobs, but I got involved with a guy and we had a really gnarly breakup and I'm very motivated by spite. And he was trying to be a screenwriter as well. And I was like, well, that guy can do it. I certainly can. So I sat down and wrote my first script and I sold it a few months later. It was the best. (laughs) I um, love that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I've been working pretty steadily as a screenwriter since then. That was around 2015 when I sold the first one. And it's certainly been up and down. Um, but I've, and I've sold a fair amount of stuff, but with, um, you know, screenwriting, you don't always get to the final product. You can Mm -hmm. sell things and make a living at it, but things will stay in development and never get made. So I was very lucky last year, my first produced feature film came out. It's from Blumhouse and it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. It's called Torn Hearts starring Katie Seagal. And it's a country music horror thriller. And I wrote all the original songs and the lyrics and it's a blast. So like, if you like Stone Cold Fox, you'll probably like the movie too. Um, And while all of that was going on actually a little bit before, I just, I knew I always wanted to write a book. And one of the things I was getting frustrated as a screenwriter is, you know, you often have to go in and pitch on other people's books because IP is really popular right now. And I love other people's books, of course, Mm -hmm. but that's not why I want to be a writer. I want to write my own original ideas too. So I sat down and thought about it and was like, I think I'm going to have to write my own damn book. So when B's voice kind of came into my head, I thought she was really funny. Mm -hmm. And I would say her sense of humor and ambition and things of that nature are very much drawn from my relationship with three of my best girlfriends um, and the four of us and how we talk about things and think we're very hilarious. So I kind of like channeled that and then kind of made her a bigger character without making her a caricature. Like I want to be to feel like a real person. So I started riffing with her voice a little bit and I just loved her so much. I was like, okay, I think this is my book. Where do I want to put her? And when I was thinking, I was like, oh, the 1%, make her not your average gold digger. Because she's not. She's not a bimbo. She's super smart. She's funny. She's accomplished in her own right. She always has a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. Like, she is someone that has her stuff together. Like, I am, and I think that's why I'm attracted to a lot of quote unquote villainous characters. 
And it's not because I like their nefarious intent. I just like that they take action and they take big swings and put their foot on the gas. Like that's what I like to watch because I kind of relate to that in a lot of ways. I'm a very ambitious person. And so when there's a character on TV, a woman who's just, oh, I'm a mess. And like, and look, there's a time and a place I like those characters too, but I just wanted to contribute a different type in this genre. So I just really wanted to make B confident and kind of a Mm -hmm. badass and a boss and it doesn't mean she doesn't have conflict and problems because she obviously does but it was really fun to see her how to handle what life was throwing at her throughout the course of the story um I feel like I answered your question (laughs) you totally answered my question but I didn't even know so (laughs) I saw the preview for Torn Hearts because I follow Katie on Instagram after watching Haunting of Hill House Yes. Um, and she was so great in that. And I was like, oh, this is so fun. But I'm totally going back and watching that because now I'm just like she's a super awesome fan of yours. Yeah, she's awesome in it. It, it turned out really, really great because, you know, screenwriting is a little different. You know, you write the screenplay and it's one piece of the grander puzzle, right? And, you know, the director comes in and the costume designer and the sound designer, and it's like a massive group effort. And that's not to say a book doesn't have a team because, of course, you do. But, the book is a book and I'm, if you're the author, you're in charge of writing the book and that's it's right. all on you. So you have to make sure you, you build out everything. Whereas a screenplay, it's still a challenge in its own way, but there's just, you can't dig into certain things as much as you can in a novel. I mean, being in B's head the whole time, for example, was such a gift for me. I was like, this is so fun. Just writing as this woman, staying in her head, figuring out how she's going to figure things out. And I liked being able to um, dig into that interiority of the character, which I'm rarely afforded to do in a screenplay. I mean, you get like hits of voiceover here and there, but you can't just be like in the character's head that's boring to watch, but it's lovely to read. To read, (laughs) yeah. And I was going to ask you too, like the difference between, so you had B and and like you just said, you were able to really like dive into her deeper Mm -hmm. rather than if you were writing a screenplay about her. But what when you're writing novel versus screenplay what did you find were the the major differences aside from what you just mentioned aside from what I just mentioned I mean I what's interesting is like so my first drafts for just about everything are pretty concise and I think that's just by virtue of being a professional screenwriter first like I Mm -hmm. kind of get to the point and make it really snappy and then I have to go back in and fill in some stuff so the same thing kind of happened with the novel but it was just like it's a lot more. <laughs> you yeah. really have to like go into everything. And then, you know, I'm also doing a first person narrative. So I still had to be really cognizant of building out the other characters, but in a way that made sense since we're still technically in B's head. So it's mm-hmm. not like I was writing in this like third person omniscient or even third person close, like everything is through B's perspective, but I still wanted to give, you know, enough limelight on the other characters because I love all the women in this book except for Gail but um I still wanted her to feel obviously like three-dimensional and not just like cut and dry villain and I want I mean some readers may really respond to Gail and you could even argue that you could read the same story narrated by Gail and you could totally be on her side so it's like I mean because here's her she's like this is the guy she's loved her whole life and this woman who she knows she is and who she says she is and she's gonna protect him at all costs I mean there's two sides to every story and the truth we just happen to be in B's mind because she's my favorite and I love her but um, I mean that's interesting because you could do Gail's side side well I mean you could well we can't give a spoiler away but 
you could right. have done it. From- <laughs> I'm like, I and can't. Fear, talk I just about mean this. you could you could yes. latch into anyone and probably feel for them because totally. you're hearing their feelings and their side of the story. Um, but B to me was the most compelling way in. And so I, I stuck with her. She's Because I flirted with the idea of doing multiple POVs, but ultimately decided I really just wanted to hang out with B. Yeah, she's <laughs> fabulous. Um, do you, like, when you had B in your mind, then did you do like a whole outline? Did you just jump right in? What was sort of your... Yeah, my my first draft was very... I've been using the word like lackadaisical. So I kind of wrote it over the course of a year when I had time because mm-hmm. I'm a working screenwriter and, you know, those other projects were just sort of taking priority because I'm on deadline and getting paid to do them. So I was like, but I want to write a book. So I was carving out the time over the course of the year. And that was pretty fast and loose. I really didn't um, outline very much. I had an idea of where it was going, but, and where I wanted it to end, but it wasn't a robust outline. However, when I went back in for the revision, once I had my literary agent, I did, a, I still, I'm not a robust outliner because I discover a lot while I'm writing. Mm-hmm. However, I do like having plot points that I'm striving to work to. And if I have to change them down the line, that's okay. But it's for me, I like to have something to work towards. But a lot of times when I'm writing, someone will come in and not, like Ren Daly is a really good example. She just came to me while I was writing and she made me laugh so much. I was like, you can stay, we'll, we'll work with you or whatever. So then you know, you make adjustments as you go. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely outline, but it's, they're brief and they're certainly not set in stone by any stretch of the imagination. I very much discover a lot in my writing process. And now that I know that about myself, I don't really force a robust outline because sometimes, and you know, with screenwriting, some, sometimes part of your contract is you have to deliver a robust outline. So I know how to do it and I can do it. It's just, not my preference to be that rigid and specific because so much happens while I'm writing that surprises me. And I just, that's how those things come to me. They don't necessarily come to me when I'm outlining because it's just kind of a different, different skill, I suppose. Well, I feel I'm, that's so great that you gave yourself that freedom because I always, when people have like two, you know, like you're writing screenplays and then you're also writing a novel or jobs where it's like, you know, I've talked to different authors that are like editors and then they became authors like to wear Mm -hmm. two different hats and like to switch it on and off. I always find so interesting. So the fact that you recognize that and you were like, you know what, I don't need to do this for my novel. Like I can sort of have this freedom. And then like you said, things just came to you and you could like do that. Yeah. It's part of the fun. And I I do think at least for me, I have found that screenwriting and novel writing are very complementary of the other. Like I think for me, being a screenwriter first actually made me a better novelist, particularly for the thriller genre, because I'm just very always cognizant of the pacing, making sure active things are happening, leaving stuff on cliffhangers, and just making sure I keep the reader's attention the entire time while peppering in my sense of humor, because that's what I really like. I write a lot of dark stuff, mm-hmm. but all of it is a little bit funny because I can't help myself because that I that's what I like to watch that's what I like to read um I think even the darkest stuff needs some levity because if we're not laughing we're crying right or we're <laughs> like, like horrified is your are the screenplays that you mainly write like horror or dark or do you have a like um, all over lately, the place lately yes um when I started so that script that I wrote um after my ex-boyfriend and I broke up was like a yeah. big buddy comedy for girls so 
I started out kind of like on the straight comedy path, right? Just writing like, I'm like two of my favorites to this day, but especially at that time where like Bridesmaids and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, like mm-hmm. I just love putting kind of like what I call like indie characters, but in these like big fantastic situations. Cause I always want my characters to feel really grounded. And then I don't know, as my career was trucking along, you know, comedy is kind of hit or miss. I feel like it's making a big comeback, thankfully, but it was going in a direction that felt very, um, what's the way to put it? Like they wanted people to also be like, like slice of life and kind of true to someone's life. They were like a comedian or something. And it just really wasn't what I was doing. And as a consumer, I love thriller and horror. Like I mm-hmm. watch and read that stuff constantly. And I was like, why don't I try to do that? So Torn Hearts was actually my first horror feature screenplay that was inspired by my best friend and I, this inside joke we have for the better part of like 12 <laughs> years when we lived in Chicago together, we used to take road trips down to Nashville because we love country music. And she looks a lot like me. We're just like cute, bubbly blondes. And we used to make this joke like, well, damn, it's too bad neither one of us sings or plays any instruments because we'd be the cutest little country duo this town ever saw. <laughs> and we made up this like fake band called Tattered Hearts. The, the name ended up changing for legal reasons down the line. But so I have this like long Google Doc of just like random stuff over the course of my life that I think could be something one day for ideas. And when I was thinking about something scary, I was like, what if I put the Tattered Hearts girls into a scary situation? And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Like I wrote a version where they, the big, the idea is they're an up and coming um, country duo that's dissatisfied with their career. And my first step at that, they were kind of like captured by these backwoods fans because captivity really scares me. That was kind of the thing that propelled me. But that felt like something we'd seen before and it wasn't super exciting to me. And then when I made the villain a woman that they sought out, that was one half of a really famous country duo in the 90s and they like seek her out for help, but it turns out she's a lunatic locked in her house. I mean, then that became like really (laughs) interesting because it plays with you know, the two girls and kind of some of the jealousy they have with each other and how they work. And then I was kind of leaning into the themes of certain generations, maybe not being as helpful to other generations. There was just like a lot of fun female themes I got to play around with in the confines of this like crazy world I had built. Um, So that was kind of my first effort into horror, but making it still kind of fun and funny. Because I just, when I'm watching and reading stuff, I want to have a good time. It is literally my number one priority I would say across my entire life (laughs) whatever that Kim didn't Kim Cattrall say something recently like if I'm not having fun for even one hour I'm horrified (laughs) and I'm like yes Kim I relate to that so when I set out to write this book I was like I do like writing dark stuff and I like creepy stuff but I think it can still be a fun thrill ride where we can be giggling sometimes too so that's sort of what I try to do is like horror thriller stories with a splash of dark humor. Yes. I I mean that you nailed it with this. And I, I guess this is sort of answering the question, but is that, have you always just loved like thrillers and everything just growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I've liked scary things my whole life. My birthday's around yeah. Halloween. Sure. That has something to do with it. We're Scorp- I'm Scorpio. We're kind of sick. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just have always liked being scared I like haunted houses I like roller coasters it's just hit me with all the thrilling stuff I'm available (laughs) it's so funny because I this I love scary stuff too and I love scary movies um and 
and I love reading thrillers and and scare like you know horror and whatever. And now I feel like we live in this you know generation of all these like you know true crime podcasts. Everything gets a documentary. I'm like obsessed with so many, like I love cults. I love all of it. But then I also feel like as I get older, the love of it isn't fading yet. Sometimes I'm listening to things and I'm like, oh my God, like, why am I listening to this? Like, what if somebody's (laughs) stalking me or like following me in my car? Or like, what if somebody like locks me in my house and there's like a home invasion? Like, I'm always like, why do I do this? But you can't, I feel like if you're in on it, you like can't stop. You can't get off the train. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like all that stuff too. And there's actually this really, there's a part in Stone Cold Fox. It's like a very small part. That's just kind of an aside where she and Ren Daly are in the car going to the Cases house for like a tea, an afternoon tea. And um, B says something about, because her past is made up and she says something about being like her best friend was murdered or something. And like Ren Daly just wants to know all about it. And B basically gives this monologue about like, why are women so obsessed with true crime when something terrible could happen to you at any minute? Like, yes. Oh my God. Yes, I do. That's, she nailed it. I mean, that is the thing. Like you're obsessed with it. Yet when you really think about it, you're like, but like, this could happen to like Right. Anybody. Maybe we're all just trying to like, you know, be aware, keep our enemies close, be Maybe. suspicious. <laughs> or it's like you, you, it's like you're gathering things for your toolkit. So you're like, if I was ever in this situation, I right. know what I need to do or what totally. not to do. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm like a very like aware person when I'm out and about like always mm-hmm. kind of, but mm-hmm. I think most women are, you kind of have to be. I so. know it is true. Okay. So give us, um, like uh, your elevator pitch about what oh, Stone sure. Cold Fox is about. Yeah. Stone Cold Fox is about B, a very ambitious and hot young woman. And I, we could call her like a semi-reformed daughter of a con artist. I'd mm-hmm. say she wants to hang up her devious hat for good and kind of set herself up for life. So she sees, you know, an opportunity to marry into the 1% when she meets this guy, Colin Case, who is from, you know, that kind of family, like the Johnson and Johnson family, the Kennedys, like big, big old East coast money. And he's boring and kind of average looking, but he's rich and he's nice enough. And B's like, okay, this is the guy. And so she's a total bombshell, not really worried about getting the ring from him, but she knows that because of where he comes from, there's probably going to be a challenge in getting the approval from his family and inner circle namely his childhood best friend who is still in love with him, Gail Wallace Lester, who will stop at nothing to keep B out of their blue-blooded, luxurious gold. That's, oh, that's good. You've, you've <laughs> okay. practiced that. You have practiced that. Um, okay. My first question of, so B you thought of, when you were writing mm-hmm. B, was there anybody in my like that came to mind, celebrity, person, whatever yeah. that you were you were like inspired by? Yeah, I mean, I always just pictured a big blonde bombshell, and like the person I pictured a lot just because I think she is so stunningly beautiful is Margot Robbie, like that kind That's of beauty so where. Like, how do you walk around like that? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. everyone must look at you when you walk in the room. I mean, just someone that really has a presence, right? It's like man, woman, and child, they're paying attention when you're there. And I feel like making, I wanted to make sure B felt that way because it informs a lot of her worldview. And she lives by this very strict, you know, metric and rubric of how she's supposed to be in the world if she's going to succeed in the way she intends to succeed. And 
Um, so yeah, especially Margot Robbie and like Wolf of Wall Street, you know, when she walks in and yep. Leo sees yep. her for the first time and she's just like hot as fire. Like that is like who I pictured for B for sure. <laughs> Ooh, I could, now that you say that, that's part, I could definitely picture that too. And then Gail, who'd you picture for Gail? You know what? It's so funny. It, it's like not really who I pictured, but this is like the spirit of it. Um, yeah. It's actually two Legally Blonde references. Like I pictured kind of the Vivian Kensington type, like just kind of this like old money, like a cute brunette, but you know, just kind of a specific type. But then also, and I can't remember the character's name, but Linda Cardellini plays the the daughter in Legally Blonde as well with the big um, frizzy yes. hair. Oh my God, yes. So like kind of a combo of the two, because I will say B is a little bit cutting about Gail's appearance, but I'm not sure in real life if Gail is as frumpy as B is claiming her to be, um, but definitely just kind of, you know, old money brunette that doesn't put as much, you know, effort into the whole, because like B's whole look is very much playing into the male gaze, right? Like she right. is bombshell bombshell and I feel like you know the, the east coast old money brunettes it's just very like clean lines straight hair plain yeah yes just, you know matter of fact so yes I could definitely see that about Gail Gail was like infuriating at times like you wanted to punch <laughs> her in the face but what but on the flip side what was another layer to be that you loved was that she like wouldn't you know, she would annoy her, but not to a point where she'd be like, I'm throwing in the towel and I'm out. Like that was the fun of it all. And I felt like that was the thrill is she was like, okay, I see you. And now I raise you. And like, I'm yeah. gonna, which I loved. Um, Even though Gail, I was like, I'd smack you. Like, I know she's so annoying. <laughs> you know what she's, they have a lot weirdly in common in that they're both really smart mm -hmm. and they both have this they're different types, but kind of this like entitlement, right? To what they're owed, what they're deserve, what they deserve. And so when you put two women like that together, it's just so fascinating because it's like they've met their match and it's yes. like, what's yeah. going to happen? So no, as much as like, I find Gail irritating it, what I loved writing the scenes between them um, because they're both so good at what they do. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it too. I loved it too. Did you like, as far as just like the family, and I know you named some famous families, but like, did you have to do any specific research for this? Or were you like reading, you know, or were you just sort of like, I'm going to go with this? Because I feel like this in the sense of like this beautiful girl coming into this family and like having to sort of, you know, get their approval and then having like a jealous friend, like that probably really had like that I could see totally happening because Gail didn't really stand a chance. Right. And, you know, I've rubbed elbows with some people in that circle here mm -hmm. and there over the course of my life. And then I just like read a lot of like, like I like to read town and country and Tatler and, you know, see what's going on. Cause I just think that stuff's so fascinating. So I, I've always just had a, an interest and a pull to, to the finer things. So I just kind of like leaned into that and really ramped it up I was very inspired by succession as well like mm -hmm. I think that like I, I remember adding like some like helicopters and yachts and stuff just like these aren't people that you know and that's why I said it in New York as well because I, I feel like old money there is not old money here in LA it's a totally different vibe I mean it's just like totally. these are people that have had this kind of cash in their family for hundreds of years and that's a different life mm -hmm. um 
but I didn't want to paint anyone with too broad a brush either because these people are still people. <laughs> like I've Colin, for example, I think is really well-meaning. I just didn't want to villainize anyone just because they're in, uh, you know, the specific tax bracket. I mean, for someone that's like in one of those families, I don't know how in touch with reality we can expect them to be. <laughs> like, right, right. I don't know. Rich people have been around since the beginning of civilization. It's just kind of like a fact of life. So I don't know. I just wanted to dig into it from at least B's perspective too, it's like very anthropological. She's just sort of making observations and then deciding how to behave because she can see what's going on. Like there's, um, but then there's some things that are just like not so different from us. One of my favorite scenes to write is the brunch scene where B meets the Case family for the first time. Mm -hmm. And she's just like watching the family kind of like pick at each other. And they are talking about some really bougie stuff, right? Like they're talking about like Mandarin immersion and all the yeah. stuff that the kids did. Yeah. But it's so funny because they're just like picking at each other the way like any family that sits around the dinner table is going to inevitably do when there's a nerve that's touched. So I just, um, even though they're, you know, in this gilded house or whatever, I still wanted to show that like they're they're just people too in a lot yeah. of ways. I Yeah, Colin, like he... I mean, he just was like there and just, you know, having to be conflicted between the two of them. But you're, yeah, you didn't make him, you know, you easily could have gone down that route because we've seen that before. Like some, sure. you know, jerky guy who's like, I, you know, like speaking of Legally Blonde, like, um, the, Warner, the right. Yeah. Yes. Warner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who's like, you know, totally into himself and you didn't do that with Colin, but it, it, you are right. I mean, I'm on the East coast and that's where I grew up. And with like the Cape and the Vineyard and Nantucket and Rhode Island and all these places. And mm -hmm. it is like a scene and there, and it goes way, way back. And it is just like a different, a total different vibe. Um, yeah. I mean, it's what the people like American dynasty, like those yes. are words, only a very small handful. Cause there's, there's rich people are everywhere, but this mm -hmm. is just like a very specific, like it's more than the money. It's like their legacy, mm -hmm. what they think they stand for. And that's like what all the stuff with Gail is about. I mean, it's it's hardly about Colin if we really boil it down. They're, it's really not a story about two women fighting over a guy. It's no. really about like power and money. And yeah, it's really, it was really fun to dig into. And I ended up really liking Colin by the, by through the process of writing him because he was sort of like a throwaway character, not throwaway, but Again, I wanted to make sure everyone felt really three-dimensional and I don't want to spoil anything, but I give Colin some really good stuff to chew on. I think that makes him very endearing. And I think B for, like, I don't think B loves him, but I think she loves him in a way that she can. And he gets a lot of confidence from that. Like, I think B is really good for Colin in so many ways. I agree. <laughs> I would say the same thing. I don't think she's like obsessed with him where I feel like we've seen women trying to get themselves into you know fam like characters like get themselves into families and they're like obsessing over the guy and he sort of has the upper hand I think yeah. he she wasn't and she had a little bit of the upper hand but not so much and like you said it wasn't two girls fighting over a guy it was this sort of female power acceptance like which I feel like we all deal with at some point, like whether it's a new job or you're making, you know, like you're meeting a new group of women, like what does that hierarchy look like? But when you throw yeah. money and a lot of it into the mix, it makes it totally different. Totally. 
And one of the things I love about B2 that I, I never really realized until you and I just started talking about this right now, but I love how she wants everyone around her to like reach their full potential. And I feel yes. like she likes to push <laughs> Colin to be like, come on, buddy, like, fuck up, stand up to your dad. Yes. And another character I don't want to spoil too much either, but she meets this woman, Syl, and, sh- and Syl is like also very beautiful. And she's like, what is this woman doing? Like, she could be doing anything she wants. Like, look alive, honey. Like, I just really like that about B. <laughs> I do too. I, oh, yeah. I forgot about Syl too. I loved her too. I mean, no, B, we need to, we'll start a campaign. B for president. She would just <laughs> dominate the world, accept everybody, but also like not take anybody's shit. Like we just need right. that. We need right. that. So the exciting thing that you announced on your social media yesterday was that Stone Cold Fox is going to be adapted to a TV series and you yeah. are writing the screenplay, which I feel like is a yes. natural that should happen. Part of the plan, Courtney. I was playing the long game and it's going well. <laughs> yes. I So, okay. So tell us about this because it's going to happen. I'm, I know that things, this is definitely happening because once you read the book, I feel like you're like, I fully can see this as a TV show, but I feel like it's already like, we already are ahead of the whole thing because you can just write it and <laughs> you know these characters so well. So like who better than the actual author? I know people have adaptations and I've seen some really good ones and the authors don't do the screenplay, but I feel like this is, this was definitely written in the stars. Yeah. And there, you know, there's some authors that are very happy to just option. They don't, yeah. they don't really have any interest in writing the screenplay, but um. I do. <laughs> like that was not the only reason for writing the book, but it was one of the motivations where I was like, oh, because I I thought it was a good idea for a TV series. And actually starting it as a book was helpful because I feel like I really got to hone in on B and write in that way that very like all the interiority. But what excites me about the potential TV series is I can hang out more with some of my other girls in the book that I couldn't spend as much time with, but I love them. So like mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be really cool to see what Syl or Calliope is doing when B is not around, you know, because with a TV show and or a movie, you have to, like, B can't be in every scene. That's boring. Like, we have to, like, you know, go into the other characters and their lives. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. But yeah, so when the, the galley was out and people were showing interest and I was just very clear about what I wanted and I wanted to be the creator of the show and be producing on the show and I'm telling you Courtney I would have taken this book to my grave I was only gonna go with someone that trusted me to tell the story um and I was really lucky that Julie Pleck and Universal just like I, I they just get it because Julie is as ambitious as I am and so is the president of her company Emily we've just like been such a a good team together so far and it's still early days I mean there, there's a lot of potential. I'm excited to see who we're able to attach to play B. I just, I'm, it's, it's really early to say what's going to happen, but I mm-hmm. have a good feeling and I love that we announced it on pub day. That was such a thrill. Incredible. <laughs> I know I've been on deadline a handful of times for different projects, but it's just like, I'm in the text as like the writer or what have you. And this was very cool. Cause it was again, my book cover, but also my face. <laughs> And your name was super cool with Julie, who is just like a powerhouse. Um, So I'm really, really excited to see what happens. But I definitely um, 
knew what I was doing in terms of my of plotting because uh B came from somewhere. So yeah. I'm sure yeah. If you've read the book already, you're not surprised by this uh, development. I mean, I was didn't even know that and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this would totally be like a show. I feel like that's <laughs> oh, we're that. spoiled by like stuff like that now. So when I'm reading, I'm like, can I picture this as a movie or a show? And especially yeah. if I finish something and I'm like, okay, I like loved that. So this like has to be a movie or a show. Like, like, I feel like this is the, like, and it's so great, especially for readers and obviously writers, like, that I feel like, you know, with the start of all these celebrity book clubs and everything, and then Reese Witherspoon starting her company, like, book to film or book to TV adaptation, I feel like is the thing. Like, I, yeah, and I love it. Business. It's huge. Yeah, and it's fun because- you're going to get people that didn't read your book watching the show should it get mm-hmm. made but then you have all these people that love your book already and they're going to be you it's like you already have a built-in audience it's so cool so yes. I'm really excited to see what happens because I do think there there is a film version of this too but we just I'm so glad it's going to be a tv series because I just think there's so much to explore with B and her mother but also all the other female characters because everyone in this book is has a goal and they're going after it and they're very active and no no one's they're messy but they're not a mess if that makes sense yeah totally (laughs) and that's the best stuff to watch because you love these people and you're like I need to keep seeing them every week so we'll be we'll be so lucky exactly it is a tv show so some things are inevitably going to change because we have to grow the story and all of that and it's um I really don't anticipate myself being precious about it because I'm just excited that I can tell new stories with characters that I love so much. Like that's such a gift because right. I think maybe um, some authors could have a hard time like deviating from what they've written. Um, but I think it's just kind of a cool opportunity to use a different medium and kind of tell a slightly different story with characters you've created and love so much. It's awesome. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's exactly why it's so perfect. Like you birthed these characters. So therefore who, who better to raise them up and just like expand their minds and, and who they are than you. I mean, it would, I'm sure it would be great if, you know, somebody else did, but you are like the source. So it's like you are, you can just go off of the things that you maybe felt like restrained when you were writing the book. Like you couldn't write a thousand page book. So now right. you can like go to town. Yeah. And I like the idea too of like, like I may mostly want to be like the keeper of B. Like I feel like I have her voice <laughs> and stuff, but what's cool, like, yeah, the beekeeper. <laughs> um, but like, if we get to the point where we have like a writer's room, like just hearing someone talk about like maybe they've really taken a shine to Ren, for example, and like we can build her out together. I don't know. I just think it's a cool, it's a completely different medium and I'm excited to see what stems from it because a, a direct adaptation, that's not even going to be fun. All right, great. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, a straight adaptation probably isn't that fun for the reader either because you've already seen what was happening in the book in your mind so it's kind of cool I think to see an adaptation on in a movie or tv show kind of deviate in some ways from the book because then it's a new surprise for you yeah I I can't wait to see the Daisy Jones adaptation (gasps) I love that book but it just looks I don't know I, I I think the book to film book to tv show pipeline is like so cool and exciting and um, I'm really looking forward to hopefully being a part of that very soon. <laughs> you are. You definitely are. I can already, I see Thank it. You. It's I happening. feel it too. I, I mean, feel look, it. it's a crazy business, but I, I'm very optimistic. I'm feeling good. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And you're obviously probably working on your second novel too, or yeah. Yes. Yes. Cool. I actually just finished the first draft um, right after Christmas. What a journey. Um, Cause I wanted to have the draft done before what I call Q1. I'm such a, I do such business speak <laughs> quarters. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to enjoy this time of Stone Cold Fox coming out. And I didn't really want that monkey on my back, even though I'm very excited about my second book. But the first draft phase for me is not my favorite. Um, I, I obviously can do it and I will. I just love revision so much because I feel like that's when you can make things really sparkly and fun and you start seeing the threads that you've planted for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, the first draft for me is always just kind of like, oh my God, I can't wait to be done with this. But I'm really happy with how it turned out and I'm excited to go back in once I get the notes and things from my editor. I've gotten some great early feedback from some of my friends that I allow to read my stuff early and I can't say too much about it yet but what I'll say is that music plays a really big part in the story not country music a different genre and it might even be a little bit spooky so I Ooh. feel like if you like Stone Cold, Fo- Stone Cold Fox you will like my second book that even though I think people are going to be surprised it's a little bit it's a departure from like domestic suspense I guess yeah. is what Stone Cold Fox is being called it's a it's a little bit of a different world um, but it's super fun and the women are wild and it's very glitzy and glam. It's good. It, I'm really, I'm so excited about it. I could scream. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, geez, you're making us all be like, we're just awaiting. See, I'm jealous of the people who haven't read Stone Cold Fox because I'm like, they have that awaiting them. <laughs> so now I just have to wait for you to, to finish this, but I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> Okay, now it is time for Rachel's chic list. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. Um, okay, first question. The author that inspired or inspires you most and why? Okay, I have two answers for you. Okay. The first is like little girl cliche answer, but it's just true. I love Louisa May Alcott and Little Women. And it's so funny because I think a lot of people will assume I'm a Joe girl, but I'm an Amy girl. And I feel like she is an unsung hero. And she's just someone that always knew what she wanted. And I liked that about her. And actually, um, one of my really good friends, Michael and I, we went to college together and we've been talking about doing it since we've known each other. Um, back in October, we went to Concord, Massachusetts to go to Orchard House and we yes. like blasted the soundtrack from 1994. It was the dorkiest trip, but we had the best time. We were like crying and like overwhelmed with emotion. It was so cool to be in the Alcott home and see the desk where she wrote. I mean, we weren't even allowed to take pictures. I mean, everything is so well preserved. It was really, it's incredible. Really incredible. Yeah, I loved it. And then um, I guess this is a cliche thriller writer answer, but like Gillian Flynn, I, Gone Girl and Amy Dunn, that voice, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the experience of reading it for the first time. Of course, I was inspired by Amy Dunn when writing B. I just love that she was completely batshit, <laughs> but like was yes. going after what she wanted and had a personality and was aggressive and knew what she wanted to do. So those are those are two authors that definitely, definitely inspired me. I love those choices. I will never forget reading Gone Girl either. And I remember finishing yeah. it being like, I'm never going to read something like that again. And I feel like there's always been thrillers and mysteries and suspense books sure. for all of time. But for some reason, when that came out, it seemed like it was more like women's fiction was having a moment. And then she comes out with this. And then I felt like that just catapulted all these writers who had something simmering inside of them to explore 
like either. Yeah, I feel some... like it's a very character forward thing. Yeah. Like, I like thrillers of all kinds, but a lot of them are, I think, heavier on the plot than the character development. Mm-hmm. I'm just always attracted. I mean, you need a juicy plot, of course, but I'm just always attracted. I think a lot of it is like a first person narration when there's a character that like, oh, she's kind of spicy and has something to say. Like, I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, I love, yeah. Love that. Um, okay. Current TV binge series. Um, okay, my trashy answer is I loved the traders on Peacock. If you yes. haven't watched it, and it's such a blast. I feel like the Andy Cohen is hosting a reunion in like another week or something. And I'm so glad because I don't want to spoil the end of it, but it felt like there was no closure. Like we didn't get like cast reactions to who ultimately won. So I'm really excited for that reunion coming soon. But um, yeah, binge that very quickly. Um, oh, and I can't wait for Yellow Jackets to come back. I think that's coming back the same night as Succession, which I'm also very excited about. So Sunday nights are going to be big for all of us. <laughs> yes, I can't. I did not watch Traders because I was catching up on also on Peacock, also Bravo related Miami Housewives. Um, oh, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, which is like, I'm saying that that's the best franchise right now. I mean, I know I need to watch it. I never <gasps> have. And I'm such a, like God. I watch New York and Beverly Hills mostly. I've already fallen off with Salt Lake City, um, but I hear Miami is no, like really Rachel. fun and juicy. Okay, it's on the list. I mean, <laughs> B would be on Miami Housewives, I feel. Like, that would happen. Okay, that's quite an endorsement I'll have to watch. <laughs> um, but I definitely have heard good things about traders, and I also am, like, just too obsessed with Yellow Jackets. Like, after I – it's like after reading Gone Girl. After I watched that, I was like, wait, this is so good. And I love everything 90s. So, like, all of the music, I was the like – The music is so good. I like so good. that it got – spooky and weird so I was like, weird yes. like it, it's really like off the wall and unique and cool and I'm really happy it's coming back because I thought it was such a cool show I did too I like totally obsessed okay last favorite book and current read okay um my last favorite book I read oh I did the shards by Brett Easton Ellis and I loved it oh I um, saw that okay this is good very good I what I'll say is have you read him before have you read like I, American Psycho I haven't read Zero? American Psycho no okay I think that's okay I because what I was going to say is a disclaimer he's not for everybody I love American Psycho but it's a really brutal read and kind of hard at times the shards, I don't think is like that, even though it has some really dark moments, because there is like a serial killer on the loose kind of in the background. It is a lot about just like teenagers in 1981 West LA spoiled as shit and like running around town. And just like I went to see him talk with Rachel Kushner and at a talk here in LA, and he described it as a hangout novel. And I just loved that. It was just kind of like a peek behind the curtain. Because it's, it's kind of this like meta auto fiction thing he's doing because he's the character in it. The character's name is Brett Ellis. And oh. um, I don't know, it's just really, really fascinating. And it's long. I want to say it's like close to 600 pages. So I kind of just luxuriated with it and picked it up here and there. Like I didn't want to binge it because I was enjoying it so much. There's just like a lot of details. And I don't know. I really, really loved that book. I anticipated I would because I love his books. But I think if someone's like, oh, Freddie Sinellis is too dark for me, I actually think The Shards is worth trying because it's his first novel, I think, in like 12 or 13 years, something like that. Um, yeah. So I loved that. And then 
What was the other question? Oh, what I'm currently read. reading. Oh, I literally, I've, I've started falling. Yesterday was such a big day, obviously, but I do read before I go to bed. And I started Our Share of the Night by Mariana Enriquez. I think it just came out last week. It's translated, I believe, um, from Spanish. And it's a horror novel and it's very atmospheric so far. And I'm excited to keep Ooh. going with it. The cover is incredible. There's like, it's like electric blue with this hand on the cover. It looks amazing, but um, it's early days on that one, but I did start it literally you last night. It. And then I was like, what are you doing? Go sleep. <laughs> I know you had a big day, but you, you know, you stuck to what, you know, reading is part of it's what my you need routine. to do. It's your routine. <laughs> what routine. are aside from like we talked about Gone Girl and American Psycho what are like mm -hmm. a, just give us like a little sampling of a few of your other favorite thrillers or psychological oh, I love I love Julie Clark's thrillers I do The too. Last Flight being my favorite but I did like um The Lies I Tell too but I loved The Last Flight um I read that on a plane <laughs> it was like the it perfect, was so good perfect mode for it um what are some other ones I've read recently um, oh, I did Stacey Willingham's first one. And the names of her books are a little similar. And I don't want to say the wrong one, but I still have to read her second one that just came out. Oh, I read A Flicker in the Dark and I liked it. <laughs> I loved that too. And I, the one that just came out, I just got from Book of the Month. So I'm excited yes, to read I've that. But... So it's in my possession. I just haven't read it yet. Yeah. But I got them both at the same time because everyone was talking about Flicker in the Dark. Um, Flicker in the Dark was so it. good. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Okay. Um, Sand or Snow? Oh, sand. I love by the beach. So that's uh, my whole you're thing. You're so lucky. Uh, um, Listen, I'm from Chicago. I went to college in Minnesota. I did my time with the snow. I'm retired. It's so funny. My husband, my husband's family is from Ohio and we went for one of his grandparents' birthdays and it was like January, February snowing. And Charles, my husband grew up here in California and he and his brother were like, so psyched. They're like, let's go shovel the driveway. Like it was exciting. And I was like, go ahead. I'll be in here with your auntie drinking red wine. I'm retired from snow yeah, work. You're it's like, over. I'm out. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing is I'm, I've, I grew up on the East coast and every year it's like, uh, and then you live for the summers, but it's like, sure. but today, this, I mean, right now, because of like global warming, it's so bizarre over here. It's like 70 degrees. I know. Isn't that kind of crazy? And Although then it I'm was like on my book tour soon and I'm like excited. It's like going to be a little bit warm in New York and Chicago. And yes. so hopefully I don't want to jinx myself, but I, know. I wouldn't mind it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, coffee or tea order? Um, I'm so boring. I just drink black coffee or I have an espresso black. I, it's kind of how I've always done it. Um, when I have tea, because um, my husband and I, we travel to London a fair amount. And when I'm in England, I'll have a splash of milk in my tea. Um, but that's also kind of boring. I don't do anything super wild. Like even when I go to Starbucks, I'm just like a tall black coffee. Thanks. Yeah. But like <laughs> on the flip side, it's pro it's not getting messed up and it probably tastes good. No, it never. Time. So if that's they messed easy. it up, I'd be very worried. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's good. Um, favorite bookstagram account. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, Jordy's book club. I love for Same. obvious reasons. I think he has good taste, but he's also the EVP at Universal and found B and fell in love with her. And that's why we're all working I together. I love today. this fun fact. I didn't know yeah. that. I love, yeah. I love his whole, I mean, obviously I love, he has great taste, always showing the best books, but then he gives us like a glimpse into his life with his little daughter and his husband. Oh, no, he's so cute. Oh, I love that. Dog. Yeah. Um, so he's one of my favorites. And then Dennis at Scared Straight Reads always makes me laugh too. Yes. He <laughs> is very funny. Um, yeah. I, 
he makes me laugh too. I love when he incorporates like Bravo gifts for like he the way he hilarious. feels about like a book or something. He and his buddy came to LA a couple of weeks ago. And so we, we went out and had a drink and we all wore animal print and it was a blast. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so idea. fun. Um, okay. Name an author you'd love to have coffee or a cocktail with. Oh, I, and she's no longer with us, but I love Jackie Collins and I would have loved to have had a cocktail with her. I think she had a fascinating life and a really funny, smart personality and that she is for sure my top answer. But in the same kind of vein, um, I think it would be fun to sit down with like Judy Bloom or Danielle Steele, just someone that has had like, has left a life, you know, yeah, like a, someone you know, in their golden years. And I mean that in the best way that just like probably doesn't give an F anymore and they'll just spill the tea and we'd have fun. And I just love hearing from women that are like at the top of their field and have been for a very long time and just tell me where all the bodies are buried, you know, like what's I going know. on in there? <laughs> I love um, Jackie Collins. When I had a different question um, on my last year, she was like, what three authors living or dead would you want to have a book club with? And she's always, she's in mind. Like if I was going to answer my own question, because after, I mean, I read Hollywood wives in like high school, I think totally not yeah. an appropriate age, but like I was completely sucked into it. <laughs> and she, I know. And she, um, af- then like fast forward after, um, I watched the Netflix documentary about Isn't her. Awesome? I was like, she is like everything, like literally everything. Yeah. So awesome. I had this, I had the same experience. I watched her documentary on a, on a plane and I was just like, wow. I mean, I already liked her, but I came away with a whole new appreciation. Okay. I love, okay. That's an A plus plus answer. I love that. Um, okay. Who is your style icon? Okay. I have a few and it depends on my mood. So like for like every day looking chic, looking, you know, classic, I'm very into like Victoria Beckham, Gwyneth Paltrow type aesthetics. I think they always look good, clean lines. I think Victoria wears more color. I like her whole like fashion line. I just really, really like her style. Um, But then when I'm like feeling a little wild, we could put Jackie Collins on this list too, because I like how she dressed. But um, I would say like Cher and also Rod Stewart. (laughs) I love (laughs) that. Both of them just like go for it when they're performing and they're not afraid of like sequins and animal print, but I think it's always like really well done. I don't know. I'm such a Rod Stewart fan. So I feel like I love it's so that. funny when I saw this question, I was like, that's actually an honest answer. Like I love how he dresses. I think he's adorable. <laughs> I love Rod Stewart. Who would be, I know you prepared and you were so good about these questions. So I'm giving I'm throwing a wrench in No, here, that's okay. Who would be B's style icon? Um... God, that's a good question. You know, I feel like with the Case family of it all, she's probably leaning into like kind of a Carolyn Bissett um, okay. vibe where mm-hmm. like she's trying to get the approval. But it's funny because I know she admires some of like Sill's clothes, like the hot pink and stuff like that. Yes. So I yes. think probably like, honestly, Barbie. Great. <laughs> Carolyn Bissett or Barbie I love yeah I mean it works it totally (laughs) works um what is a book you wish they made a movie out of oh my god I want them to make a movie of Bunny by Mona Awad so badly oh I've never read that 
oh, you gotta read it. And you know what? Here's what I'll say. You'll either okay. love it or you'll okay. be like, what the F is this? And, okay. if, and okay. if it's the la- the latter, it's fine. Like, I think it's just one of those books that you either are like Funny. going on the ride or you're like, this is too weird for me. Okay. But I think the movie version of that would be so exciting to see. Um, It's really cool. It's like the way it's pitched, it's about um this woman in an MFA program in the East Coast somewhere. I, th- I think it might even be a made up college, but there's these three girls that kind of all look alike called the bunnies. And it's kind of got a sorority vibe, but not because they're in an MFA. MFA program and they kind of lure her in and then all these like and it's kind of yellow jackets adjacent in some ways you might like it okay Um, I really liked her other book too called all's well which is about the um college theater department somewhere so they're they're campus novels but like cracked out and weird in a way that I really respond to (laughs) okay I love this okay bunny yeah bunny. okay and you love it (laughs) it has a what hot pink cover hot hot pink cover I think it's like the same as your look so I'm so hot pink and black and white. Those are my colors. Um, although I was obsessed with the lime green on the cover of your book. Oh my God. Me too. When I saw my cover for the first time, I screamed because it wasn't the color I was necessarily thinking about, No, but I, I don't know. I didn't have a big expectation either way. I was like, I'll just see. I sent over book covers I liked and mood boards and I saw what they came back with. And that cover was just, I mean, like I have the manicure, like I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> you are, I know you did a photo. You are nailing <laughs> this. Okay. And last question, best advice for an aspiring writer or reader? Yes. Here's what I'll say. Just be your own biggest fan. And it might feel weird at first. If that's not your default, but if you're not excited about your work, I think it's hard to get other people excited about it. So it's not in a way that should feel false, but I do kind of want to say like make like be and kind of fake it till you make it because being a writer is doing the work, of course, of actually writing, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is getting your stuff out there, not being afraid to show it to people not being afraid to be proud of it. It's a really big part. When you do ultimately sell your novel, you're going to have to promote it and talk, you know, fondly about it. I just think turning that it's a muscle. Like you can mm-hmm. practice being obsessed with your work because I think it's just much more fun than the tortured artist thing. <laughs> like I just, I feel very strongly that you should love what you write, mm-hmm. be your biggest fan, write the book you want to read or the story you want to read or the script you want to watch on the big screen one day. Um, and that's not to say not to prioritize people's notes and feedback because that is a big part of the process, but also take that with a grain of salt too. You know your story better than anyone else. So when you get notes and feedback, you'll know which ones feel right and you'll know which ones are, it's it's a skill, you can practice it, but your gut will tell you, your gut will always tell you. But the the takeaway for sure is like, be your biggest fan and be proud of your work and don't be scared to show it to people because that's how you get to be a professional writer one day. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't show your work to anybody, then you're really just writing for yourself, which is fine if that's what you want to do, but- I encourage at least giving it a try, especially if you're good. You just never know. I know. <laughs> that is such great advice. I love that. Um, okay. And then let everyone know where they can follow you on social media. Oh, sure. I am primarily on Instagram, like the elder millennial I am. And it's at Rach Kohler Crofts. I have a Twitter and a Facebook and a TikTok, but I'm rarely on them. TikTok especially frightens me. I'm not a creator on there, but if you want to talk about my book on TikTok, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and I'm also on my website is rachelkohlercroft.com and that's where my book tour information is. So if you 
love the book or want to read the book and I'm coming to your city, you should come say hi because I'm very friendly and approachable and excited to meet readers. It's just going to be so much fun. (laughs) So fun. Well, people absolutely should. They should go meet you. They should pick this book up. I'm going to keep talking about this book. I feel like this, we're going to just get so many fun things from you. So that's why everyone should follow you on social media. And thanks for chatting. Sometimes I have record conversations and this was one of them. I just feel like we're just like chit-chatting. We're vibing, Courtney. We are. (laughs) I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. So everybody go get a copy of Stone Cold Fox, follow Rachel, and I can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks so much, Courtney. Thanks for having me on. And thank you everybody for tuning in.